Thanks for checking out the Reveal Vineyard podcast. We are a Jesus-centered community in El Mirage, Arizona. We hope through these conversations your spirit will be stirred. For more information, you can visit our website at www.revealvineyard.com. So we're on week number two of a series that we've called I Choose. And when life hands you choices, we've said to choose wisely because decisions matter. A key thought that drives this series, we'll put it on the screen, is that we make decisions and our decisions make us. We make decisions and in turn, those decisions make who we are, meaning the choices and the decisions that we've made over a lifetime have shaped and formed who we are today. Now, if you don't like where you find yourself today, there is good news because who you will be, who I will be tomorrow, next month, next year, 10 years from now, depends on the choices and the decisions that we will make today. C.S. Lewis says it this way. I like how he says it. He says, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and you can change the ending. And the way that that happens is one decision at a time. Choose wisely. Choose better. Decisions matter. See, one thing that I know from, for all of us is that all of us want better. We want this year to be better than last year. We want our children to be better than we are. We, um, maybe you want a better job or better marriage or better grades, better friends, a better pastor, better church, better finances, better walk with God. Some of you are nodding your head to all of those things, and I hate you right now because some of those I wish you didn't want better. Uh, but we, we all want better, but here's the thing. Better just doesn't happen. We just don't fall into better. We sow and reap our way there. It's one decision. It's one choice at a time. It's one small step at a time until we position ourselves to where we want to be in life. Better is really uh, a choice of decisions because we make decisions and our decisions in turn uh, make us. We said last week that sometimes what that means is that we might have to let go of good to grab hold of better. In our culture today, we seek the good life. We want good things and um, nothing wrong with any of that. But oftentimes we pursue what is good when God has something better. And so today we're going to look at uh, what is a life-changing topic, meaning that if you acquire this, you will prevent self-inflicted wounds and will avoid detours that will take you to a destination that you were never intended to be. If you acquire this thing, today our message is, I choose wisdom. If I went around the room today, most of us would have a decision before us that has the potential to be life-altering, or a decision that will affect us in the months and the years to come. Maybe you need wisdom regarding a job change, or maybe you're trying to sell a home, or maybe you're considering moving out of state, or uh, maybe you need wisdom on a decision of who to date or who to marry or what to major in in college, or maybe you're making important family decisions. Do we have children, or do we adopt, or do we foster? Or maybe uh, you're faced with some financial decisions that you need wisdom on, and how do we get out of debt? By the way, today at 5 o'clock, we have our Financial Peace University class happening here. I believe it's nine weeks. Uh, Some of you, you need to invest in that to get yourself, get wisdom, to get out of a, a season of debt. And so how do we choose wisely? How do we choose better? Well, today we're going to look at a story in the Old Testament by a man named Solomon, and we're going to see what we can learn from his encounter with God. 
First, join me as we pray before we continue. So, Lord, uh, I pray that wisdom would rest upon us. I pray uh, wisdom to uh, uh, have understanding beyond ourselves and the wisdom to position ourselves to acquire more wisdom. And I pray that you would speak to us over our decisions and how choices matter. If we look back over the arc of our lives, show us where maybe where we lacked wisdom and where we could gain wisdom and where we need wisdom for today and our lives moving forward. So Spirit of God, we invite your presence and be with us even in our offering as we present that to you in a way, in a form of worship that goes towards reaching our community. Uh, children in our community, but also really children around the world with what we're doing in India and the schools there and uh, how we sow into those communities. And so we ask for your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. So Solomon was just anointed to be king over Israel when something very odd happened. God approached Samuel uh, or Solomon one evening and he asked Solomon a question that I wish he would ask me. He said, Solomon, whatever it is that you want, I'm going to give it to you. He said, but you only got one shot at this, so, so choose wisely. Solomon, whatever it is, ask of me, and I will, I will grant you this wish. Now, imagine if God came to you tonight and asked you that question. What would you say? If God comes and says, hey, whatever it is that you wish, just ask me, and I'll give it to you. Some of us would be like, show me the money, yo. Right, just make it rain up in here. I mean, just show, show me. Maybe, maybe you wouldn't be you want the money, but you want power or or, or fame, and or maybe maybe you're like I I was when you got out of the shower today and you caught a glimpse of your body in the mirror and you know what you'd ask for, and like give me my 22 year old body back when things were still in position, right, and things were a little tighter than they are. Now maybe you would ask for your youth back, or or, or, or maybe uh, if you're a single guy, maybe you'd ask for a smoking hot wife. I don't know what you'd ask for, right? Maybe. Uh, although if you had enough money, you'd probably still get the smoking hot wife and then go on to be president. All right, so moving right along. I'm an equal opportunity offender, by the way. Welcome to Reveal. Maybe you'd ask for something far more significant. Maybe you'd ask for a child. Maybe you've been trying to get pregnant and it just hasn't happened. You're like, if God came to me and asked me for one thing, I know what I would choose. Or maybe you or someone you love is facing a life-altering disease. And if God came to you, you know specifically exactly what you would ask for. You'd ask for health and you'd ask for healing. And so God comes to Solomon and says, anything that you want, you can have, ask, and it will be given. And look what Solomon says. We'll find his story in 2 Chronicles 1. It says, that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon answered God, you have shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father, David, be confirmed for for you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth. And now he makes his request. He says, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? Now look, I'm going to be honest. You read that, I read that, and I'm thinking, really? Anything you want. And he asked for wisdom. I mean, I, I don't know if God came to me tonight, I don't know if my first choice would be, give me wisdom to lead this church. And yet, 
something that Solomon says resonates with God and, and, and his request moves God because look what God, how he replies. He said, so God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire and you've not asked for wealth, God knows us all too well, and you didn't ask for riches or honor, God knows us all too well, no, for the death of your enemies, there's one we didn't think of, right? And since you have not asked for a long life, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I've made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. And then here comes the abundant side of God. Then God goes on to say, but I will also give you wealth, riches, and honor, such as no king who was before you ever had and none after you will ever have. So Solomon wins both prizes in the showcase showdown, right? He got close enough that God gave him not only the wisdom, but gave him everything else that he didn't ask for. And then wisdom becomes this common theme that Solomon speaks or writes toward uh, in Scripture. Matter of fact, he writes about wisdom more than anyone else in Scripture. He says such things as wisdom is better. He says wisdom is better than weapons of war. He said wisdom is better than strength. Wisdom is better than jewels. And here is our passage today. Solomon says this, How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver. When life hands you choices, choose wisely, choose better. And Solomon tells us, here's what's better. Wisdom is better than gold. In other words, he places both on the scales of life, gold and wisdom, He places them on the scale of life, and he says, wisdom tips the scale. The scale tips in wisdom's favor, that there's an unrecognized value in wisdom because it is the key, listen, to successfully navigating life's choices and positioning ourselves to experience the life that we want. Now, most of us uh, would say, you know, that I've I've inflicted some self-harm because of decisions that I've made throughout my lifetime. And Solomon is telling us that, look, if it comes between wisdom or gold, choose wisdom because you will avoid the pitfalls that have the potential to derail your life. I've told you before, the person that has the potential to derail my life more than anyone is me, right? I make the decisions. I buy it when I can't afford it. Uh, uh, I drink it. I smoked it. Whatever else. That we, can, that we can derail the life that we want. Solomon says, okay, wait a second. If you want to avoid self-harm, then choose wisdom. Because wisdom is a game changer. Ask anybody in our church who's over 40, what would you change in life? And at some point, that person, male, female, is going to say this phrase. If I knew then what I know now. Right? Every one of us, I mean, every one of you who are over 40 would say something like that, right? Why? Because wisdom is a game changer. And if we could go back to being 25 and know then what we know now, our lives could be in different places because wisdom is a life-changing commodity. And Solomon says, if you have the choice between riches or wisdom, I'm telling you, Solomon says, you need to choose wisely because wisdom is better. It's life-changing in our relationships, in our marriage, in our finances, at our jobs, and raising our children. Now, let's, let's kind of dig in a little bit farther with what Solomon says about this idea of wisdom that God gave him. 
He says this in Proverbs 4. He says, wisdom is supreme. Therefore, he says, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Do you kind of sense the urgency of what he's saying? He's like, look, I don't care what you have to give up. I don't care what it costs. I don't care how many nights it's going to cost you. You have to find and acquire wisdom that would cost you everything. Gain understanding because it's a game changer. If you want to leave your mark on the world, gain wisdom. If you want to do more than just take up space and accumulate things that you can't take with you, gain wisdom. If you want to avoid the pitfalls of life, if you want to avoid self-harm and self-inflicted wounds leading forward in life, gain wisdom. If you choose wisely between riches and wisdom, choose wisdom every time. Now look back over the arc of your life. And I'm guessing the seasons of your life where you lacked wisdom was probably the season of life where you did the most stupid things ever. Just think back. I mean, you know when it was. The season that you lacked wisdom, you probably, I probably, we did, make one foolish decision after another. Here's the thing about being fools. A fool doesn't know they're being foolish until they come through the season of foolishness and look back and we all ask the question, what was I thinking? But when you're in the presence of being a fool and you're in the season of being foolish, you don't get it. Everyone else around you may think that person is making stupid decisions. But we don't see it, right? We don't see that we were being foolish until we pass through the foolishness and look back and say, something told me I shouldn't have done that. Listen, here's a good example. Ladies of the 80s, remember big hair? My lovely wife had a wave on her head that was this big when I met her. And you look back on pictures and you think, I was so cool. And now you look back on pictures and you think, I was foolish. What was I thinking? Hey, guys, remember hammer pants and parachute pants? And we sported them. We're like, hey, I did all my shopping at Chess King at Z, buying Z Cavarici. And I thought, oh, I look so good. And I look back at pictures and I'm like, I was foolish. I tried to go a mustache in high school. I looked horrible. Hey, anybody sport a mullet back in the day? Anyone? Yeah, see, and you thought you were cool, but here's the thing about people that sport a mullet. They look back on pictures, and they still think they look cool. <laughs> they do. I'm serious. Mullet people always think, I look good with a mullet, which tells me having a mullet really isn't a choice. It's more of a birth defect, really, because you can't see reality. And so the thing of being a fool, being foolish, is we don't see it when we're in that season. And so Solomon says, look, if you want to avoid a season of foolish decisions that are going to hurt you in life, you have to acquire wisdom that is beyond your own and an understanding that is beyond yourself. And so he lays out for us how we can acquire wisdom. Here's the first thing he says. Solomon says, this is where wisdom begins. Wisdom begins with the fear of God. Proverbs 9, 10, Solomon writes, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Listen to that again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, there's been a lot of discussion regarding this verse, and I've done a lot of reading, because nobody likes what Solomon is selling right here. This idea of the fear of God doesn't work well in our everybody-wins society. 
right? We'd rather think of the love of God passing out participation ribbons to everyone. And so we have tried to manipulate and massage this verse into all kinds of ways to say, well, here's what it really means to fear the Lord. So I've done a lot of study on this. Here's what this passage means in its original Hebrew text. Fear the Lord. That's what it means. And I'm not sure where the issue comes in. I don't see what, what, what the problem is in this. Let's just put life in perspective, all right? God is big. We are small. God is powerful. We are fragile. God is infinite. We are finite. God is the creator. We are the created. Isaiah, when he compares humanity before God, he says, we are but grasshoppers in your sight. I'm not sure where the issue is that the fear of the Lord is suddenly this, this, this bad thing suddenly, and now we have to water down this verse because culture tells us that fear is harming the psyche of our children. There's a new parents. So I'm going to give you a little free advice. A little fear is a good thing, all right? I know some of you don't like that, but a little fear is a good thing. And so I've always read this. I'm like, what's the problem? Why is everybody, this idea of fearing God? Oh, you don't want to fear God. God is love and God is good. He, which he is. And this verse is not saying, it's not talking about looking over your shoulder that the great smiter is going to smite you. That's not what this is talking about. All right? God is not an angry old man sitting on his porch yelling at you to get off his lawn. That's not what this verse is talking about. But this idea of fear has never been an issue. If you've ever stood before, to, before a judge, there is a healthy fear that you have of that individual. And it's not because they're a bad person. It's not because they're mean. It's because they have an authority that you don't have. I've always had a healthy fear of my bosses didn't mean that they weren't kind to me. It didn't mean that they weren't good bosses. It didn't mean that they weren't kind or they weren't loving. It just meant that I had a healthy fear because they possessed an authority that I do not have. And so I look at this idea of fearing God. I'm like, why wouldn't I? He possesses things that I don't have. He's greater than I am. And so I'm going to take you on this journey of how fear leads to wisdom. Because most of the time you read this and you're like, well, really, how does the fear of the Lord lead to wisdom? I'm going to walk you on this journey very quickly, and some of you are going to have an aha moment. All right, here's, here's the track. A healthy fear of God, go to the next slide, please. A healthy fear of God means this, that we recognize who God is in relationship to who we are. Right? We're small, God is big. Hopefully we can at least agree on that, that first part, right? Healthy fear of God means that we recognize who God is. And then that leads us to a proper recognition of who God is. It results in a reverence and a respect and an awe. You cannot see who God is and not have respect and awe of who God is, right? If you get a proper vision, understanding of who God is, right? A healthy fear of God is recognizing who God is. And once we recognize who God is, what his character and attributes are, it leads to a reverence and a respect and an awe of God. Now catch this next part, because here's the part that matters. Those who recognize, revere, and respect God for who he is have little choice but to embrace God's right to rule over that which he's created, meaning we submit to a higher authority. And the moment that you submit to God, it means you are no longer leading your life, but he is leading your life, and as he leads, you learn, and as you learn, you gain wisdom. And so here's what it says. A healthy fear of God means that we recognize who God is, all of his attributes. 
which leads to a reverence and a respect and an awe of God, which means I look upon God and I said, why would I want to lead my own life when you are so much greater than I? And I bow my knee and I submit my life to him. God begins to lead and as God leads, I learn and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And Solomon says, it's brilliant. But you've got to have some respect and some fear of God. It's not a bad thing, right? And so Solomon says, here's where wisdom starts. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How else do we gain wisdom? The half-brother of Jesus, James, he tells us you just need to ask. James 1.5, he says, look, if you lack wisdom, right, he should ask of God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him or given to her. So if you lack wisdom today... Are you asking for wisdom? Here's another idea. If you lack wisdom, read about wisdom. Wisdom is contained in this book. Here's a challenge for you. If you need wisdom today, start reading through the book of Proverbs. Take one chapter a day. There's 31 chapters. And just start to repeat it and see if God does not begin to impart wisdom to you. We're told in 2 Timothy 3 that the word of God, our Bible, is God-inspired. It means God-breathed. And so what we have here are not just some good thoughts, but they're, they're really kind of, it's, it's outlining the storyline of God and reflecting and showing us the character of who our God is. And so if you lack wisdom, read. Here's what Solomon says. For the Lord grants wisdom. But how does he grant wisdom? He says, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Well, 2 Timothy says, this is God-breathed from his mouth. We get that imagery. He says, comes knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of good sense to the godly. He is their shield, protecting those who walk in integrity. He guards the path of justice and protects those who are faithful to him. Then he says, here's the payoff, right? Then you will have understanding. Then you will have understanding. Go to that next verse, please. He guards the path of justice, protects those. I don't know what that thing was, a little airplane flying through there. Protects those who are faithful to him. Nope, go back. Uh, And then you will have understanding as what is right, just, and fair, and you will know how to find the right course of action every time. The psalmist says, look, you want want wisdom, then it comes from the mouth of of God. This is the God-breathed, inspired word of God. And he says, look, if you need understanding, it will come from this. One of the first verses I've memorized, Psalms uh, 1, 1 through 3, talks about how blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the paths of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But then it says, but, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, or the word, or the instructions of God. And it says, and in that instructions, that person meditates day and night, and then it says, and here's the payoff. By meditating on the word of God, it says the payoff is you will be like a stream firmly planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in its season, and it does not wither. If you want a life that does not wither, God says, look, I'm trying to impart it to you, but you're going to need to invest in understanding this. Joshua 1.8 says the, 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 the same idea, that the idea of investing in God's word comes back and pays dividend in our life. Now, it's not a magic book. Just don't, you know, if you've got a decision to make today, you just can't open it and point to something and say, all right, God, speak to me. What am I supposed to do? One guy uh, uh, tried that in the church, and he just kind of flipped it open, and he turned to Matthew 27, 5, that said, Judas went into the field and hung himself. He was like, well, that can't be God's instruction for me. So he flipped it around, and he 
closed his eyes, he pointed to another verse, and it was Luke 10, 37 that said, go and do the same. He's like, well, no, that can't be God. So he just said, God, you got to speak to me. He flipped and pointed, and it was John 13, 27 that said, what you're about to do, do it quickly, right? <laughs> it's not a magic book. You just can't flip it open and point and say, oh, look what God told me to do. But I'm telling you, if you'll invest, wisdom will be imparted to you. But you're going to have to invest. Read this. Start with Proverbs, a good place to start if you, not, if you need wisdom. The psalmist says this, open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. For I am a foreigner in this land. Don't hide your commands from me. In a modern vernacular, the psalmist would say, I'm not from around here, and if you don't lead me, I'm going to get lost and I'm going to mess this thing up. So do not withhold your wisdom or your instructions from me. The challenge is for us as believers to begin to think biblically, not think culturally, not think through the lens of academia, but to think biblically based upon a wisdom that is above ours, right? One of the hills we die on is to seek truth. I firmly believe this is truth, and it imparts wisdom to us. Here's the last one, last way that we acquire wisdom, is surround yourself with wise people. Studies show that you will become the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Now think about who those people are. And some of you are like, this may not turn out well. (laughs) That you will become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Some of you are thinking, that's my kids. Well, good luck on that one, all right? right? You will become the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Solomon says, look it, I know you want wisdom, and here's how you're going to get it. Proverbs 13. He says, walk with the wise, and you're going to become wise. And then he says, but there's another part of it. He says, for a companion of fools suffers harm. And we all have seasons of life where we were surrounded by fools and we dug ourselves into pits. Right? Solomon says, look, here's how wisdom is imparted to you. You surround yourself with wise people and you will begin to gain wisdom. Right? So are the five people closest to you that you spend the most time with, are they reflecting the type of life that you desire? You know, we told our children when they were younger that, that we can predict the trajectory of your life based upon the people that you're spending the most time with. We stepped into some relationships and said that relationship just can't continue because we knew. Somehow as adults, we don't think that applies to us anymore. But listen, even as adults, the trajectory of our life can be plotted based upon who we're spending the most of our time with and who's having influence into our beings. And so that's one of the important uh, things of our regroups. Matter of fact, this Wednesday, uh, we'll gather here at 7 o'clock and there'll be tables set up and, and we will uh, discuss this message in groups. What does it look like to gain wisdom? You'll have a chance to share if you want to. Other people can share. And you will gain wisdom from one another because you will begin to surround yourself with people of like mind who are seeking wisdom. But I can't make you do that. You have to invest in a way of surrounding yourself with wise people. So Wednesday, 7 o'clock, we'll be here. Or find a group in one of the homes that are meeting throughout our community here to invest in people 
who are seeking the same thing as you and surround yourself with wise people. But that's on you. Solomon was here. He would say, look, I can tell you to read. I can tell you to wait. I can tell you to seek God. I can tell you to surround yourself with wise people. But there's one thing in common. It all rests upon your decision. And so if you need wisdom today, in a very real sense, God says, the ball's in your court. I'll give it to you if you need it. I'll give it to you if you seek. I'll give it to you if you ask. But it's not going to be this flippant, passing prayer. Tell me what to do, God. It's going to take some investment. Now, I've never considered myself to be an overly intelligent person. I have considered myself to be a fairly wise individual. And the only reason is because at 14 years old, when I came to Christ... My mentor, the guy who discipled me, said, this is how you gain wisdom. This is what it means to grow in wisdom. And I've submitted myself to that. That whole idea of a healthy fear of God is understanding of who God is, which gives you a reverence and an awe of God, which lead to submission. Hey, early on, I realized God was greater than I am. His plans are better than mine. And so at 14, I was like, I give up. You lead, I follow. And by following Wisdom was imparted because I was learning from him. Listen, I'm telling you, what we need is wisdom. And when life hands you choices, choose wisely and choose wisdom because you make your decisions and your decisions make you. Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to gain wisdom than gold? Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Pray with me. Father, I I know there are uh, stories here, decisions that need to be made, um, where there is a lot riding on it, and decisions that need to be made that will affect our stories in the days, months, and years to come. I know there are young people here, who, young adults who are wrestling with decisions on what to do, which path to take. I pray that you would impart wisdom to all of us. We're asking for wisdom. But I would also ask that you would impart to us the hunger to invest in wisdom. That it's just not something we're You're not a vending machine where we put in a coin and you impart wisdom to us. It's a seeking and it's a relationship and it's an understanding and it's, would you give us a a, a new understanding of who you are? That a healthy fear of God would lead to understanding the nature of the God that we serve. That you are so big and we are small that you are the creator and we are the created and you are all-powerful and we are fragile. And would that understanding create a reverence and an awe? And would that reverence and awe drive us to our knees to submit to you? Would we finally say, you know better? You lead better? And would we submit And as we follow, we would begin to learn and become wise. 
just kind of get a sense that someone has already kind of made a decision, but the, the effects of that decision have not been fully manifested yet, that there's almost time to still pull out of that decision. And just wanted to encourage you that you need to seek some counsel on that. And maybe God is showing some mercy in a situation in your life before you go too far down a road. Be a self-feeder, church. Sow in to wisdom. Seek and ask and read and surround yourselves. And I pray for you this week that the face of God would smile upon you. I pray that the presence of God would be ever present with you. That His hand would continually be upon you. That His radiance would surround you. I pray this week you would come to understand how deep and how wide and how great the love of God is for you. I pray that you would have a greater understanding of the gift of Jesus Christ in the cross. Have a greater understanding of a love so great that He gave of Himself that the gap between you and God could be closed. I pray you would come to understand the affections of your Father in heaven. And I bless you, church, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Listen, if you've got a big decision ahead of you, we'll have some people that would love to pray for you. We're going to continue this series next week. I choose this week. Choose wisely. Look forward to seeing you. Hopefully I'll see you Wednesday as we'll discuss this more in depth in a casual setting, 7 o'clock with child care. God bless you guys.